Good morning, church. My name is Seth, and this is my lovely wife, Danielle, and we have the privilege of leading local outreach and global missions. With that, uh, Novation is a mission-minded church, and so today we have a special message for you guys. We're going to hear a little bit about what God is doing throughout the world. Our first guest is Pastor Russ Frays with Joshua Nations, and if you didn't know, Novation has been supporting Joshua Nations from the beginning of the start of this church. Joshua Nations exists to train the next generation of global church leaders. With that, let's hear from Pastor Russ. Let's give him a warm welcome. Greetings. My wife sends her greetings. It's a great honor to be here today. I come in the name of Jesus, who is the Lord of the harvest. Amen? And uh, he's doing a good job all around the world. He is excelling and bringing in the harvest before he comes. So it's up to us. See if I can find this here. I was in uh, Wisconsin doing a pastor's conference, and I couldn't get my computer working. So two or three guys, like just there, came up and helped me. And I was already intimidated by all the pastors. I'm trying to look at that clock. It says 1040, correct? Okay. All right. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, boy. I love you. Okay. Thank you, Novation, for your support all these years. Uh, what you're going to hear tonight, today is a result of your giving and your gifts here in this church and the generosity of this church. I thank God for Pastor and Janelle and the leadership who have raised up an incredible body of believers here on this area and many, many more to come. Amen. Many years ago, I was in an airplane with my wife heading for Tulsa, and uh, the flight attendant asked me to move to the other side of the plane. And so uh, I was a little reticent to do so, but I did. And uh, as the plane's taken off, my, uh, uh, my thoughts are wandering back to my wife, and I'm sitting next to a couple who became friends. And as we're talking, it just so happened they'd been missionaries for 30 years in Cameroon, Liberia, and Africa, and had lived there. And uh, about seven miles in the air, Russ Tatro turned to me and said something that would change my life forever. He said, I have a two-year curriculum in Spanish I'd like to give to you. Well, at the time, I was the dean of Rocky Mountain Bible Institute, and I said, well, we don't do anything in Spanish at uh, Rocky Mountain Bible Institute, and I politely refused his gift. Well, about three months later, after we got back, uh, when we got back to, Tulsa, uh, back to Denver, about three months later, uh, the Lord sent a missionary to us from Estonia, and uh, she taught in our school. Afterwards, we're in my study, and she's talking to me, and she says, uh, you know, I know a man who's got a two-year Bible school, and I interrupted her, and I said, Russ Tatro, how'd you know him? I said, I met him on an airplane seven miles in the air. And she said, you need that school. I said, well, we don't do anything in Spanish at Rocky Mountain Bible Institute. She jabbed at me, you need that school. 
And so three days later, it came in the mail. It's on a CD-ROM. I looked at it, put on my credenza behind me, my desk, and uh, next day we went on into Cuba, which we've been doing for several years. And when we returned from Cuba, one day I was sitting in my study, and uh, I turned around, and I saw this. And I said, my God, what have I got here? And so I called Sam Santos, my Puerto Rican hero, and I said, Sam, listen, we've got this two-year Bible school in Spanish. Could we use this in Cuba? This old 82-year-old man began to weep on the other end of the line and said, oh, Brother Russ, I've been praying for 13 years for a Bible school in Cuba. Well, we went into Cuba again that year, and we took uh, a copy of the curriculum in, and uh, before we knew it, we printed 4,000 copies 9,000 copies, 13,000 copies, 23,000, 30,000 copies. Within just a year, all of a sudden, we had 30,000 students in communist-controlled Cuba. And that was the beginning of Joshua Nations to proliferate the gospel all around the world now. And so you're a part of a world movement, not just a little mission story, but you're a part of a world movement, Charles Neiman says that Joshua Nations is the largest third world country Bible school in the world. Well, that's up to him to say and for God to determine. But anyway, because of your goodness and because of your help, we now have 7,400 schools in 70 nations in 72 languages with 163,000 students. Uh, and we have uh, 35,000 graduates. And so now we're girdling the globe with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and with a two-year Bible school that trains leaders to become pastors, teachers, apostles, prophets, and evangelists. And they create a large labor force for the body of Christ. And uh, we've, we've trained 2,000 pastors and 1,000 evangelists just on the island of Cuba. And now we have 86,000 students on the island of Cuba. We're going to take that island over when communism goes. Amen? We're going to be ready and in position. And we are already. Truthfully, there's probably 150,000 students on the island because once they get the curriculum, then they begin to teach others and train others and disciple others. And so that's what Jesus has called us all to do is to disciple and make disciples of all the nations. And so my uh, executive vice president, Jason Holland, is returning tonight from Niger, and uh, we're now reaching seven unreached, unengaged people groups in Niger and one of the uh, participants in the conference had just won 200 people to Christ who never heard the gospel. And so we're, we're putting more effort now in, in reaching the unreached people groups. So Joshua Nations is, is impacting an incredible breadth of the world. And so uh, just next week, I believe, believe it is, Mike Scherer, one of our 40 representatives, is uh, going to Pakistan and we're starting a school there, and we're now broadcasting from Pakistan to 100 million viewers in 70 nations. And so we, we translate it, and then they put it in Urdu, and now it's going out continuously all over uh, the Middle East. And so we thank God for that. We also have five schools here in the Denver metro area, and every week there's over 1,000 students in the detention centers 
that are being ministered to by Empress Lugo. She's uh, my lady down in the inner city, and she started Bible school there. We've had graduations there. But she ministers to three different detention centers, over a 1,000 students every week, and usually they're detained for about a month, and they go through the whole program in a month, and then we graduate them. We've graduated over 800 of those students, and they go on somewhere. We don't know, but God knows. And so you plant the seed, and God waters the seed and cultivates it and uses what we do in an incredible way. Amen? And so any seed you plant, God's going to take care of it, sees that it grows, and disciples are made. We're also developing an online Bible school uh, as we speak, and uh, I believe there's three courses that are up and running, and we have our Holy Spirit uh, video 15, 27-minute segments online now, have close to 100 people that have tagged into that, and so eventually we want to have an accredited Bible school online so that anybody anywhere in the world who doesn't have access and who cannot afford something, they can afford what we have for them. And so uh, God is doing an incredible thing. Of the 40 reps that we have transferred, many are going all around the world training leaders to start Bible training centers. And so that's what I do at this time is to train leaders to, to build Bible training centers. So we have a two-year curriculum, and then we, take, we print books. We translate it into a dialect. I think I said 70-some languages now. It's probably more. But uh, we go into the nations, and um, they train leaders, and we have trainers going all through the rest of the year. And so we thank God for that. Last year, we were in 30 nations and uh, establishing schools, uh, training on church planting, and evangelism and teaching them how to win people to Christ. And uh, while we're sleeping, while you're sleeping, your mission dollars are at work. Amen? These are your victories. Just, just give yourself a good hand clap. These are your victories. They're not mine. They're his, but through you. The power of the local church and missions is... is uh, uh, there's no way to describe it. it. It just touches so many different people. I'll never forget while in Cuba, uh, we graduated 20,000 students in Cuba, communist-controlled nation. And one of the guys that graduated, he was called the meanest man on the streets of Havana. They put him in prison for 96 years. Well, he gets in prison. Two weeks after he gets in prison, guess what? He gets saved. <laughs> and then he becomes the pastor of the prison. And he's a model prisoner pastoring the prison. So because of his impact, we now have schools in all eight of the prisons in Cuba. And believe you me, you wouldn't even want to go in the door, less look through the window. They are so terrible. Well, anyway, this guy was so bad, they reduced his sentence to 36 years. And uh, they let him come see me about three years ago, and he shared with me about the multitudes in the prison that are getting saved, healed, and delivered. How many of you know demons live in prison? And demons live out of prison too. How many of you all know that? And uh, so incredible things taking place. So he came to talk to me. He said, Pastor Russ, he said, when the warden goes home at night, he gives me the key to the printing presses, and all night he prints Joshua Nation's materials on the communist printing presses. Amen. Give the Lord a praise. Amen. 
Thank God. Then another graduation we were having way out in the sugarcane field. This is about 10.30 at night, and uh, we're graduating them. And as they come, we give them their diplomas. And this one man came, and this, uh, a stately-looking man, and he came and very well-groomed. And I noticed under his robe was, you know, it was kind of bulky. And so I took Donato, my translator, aside, and I said, Donato, What's what's going on here? And he took me over to him. The man unzipped his robe. There was an AK-47. Well, he had on a general's uniform also with bars and stripes and all of that. He'd gotten saved, studied the curriculum, and other generals in the army sending their children, their loved ones to him to pray for and to win to Christ and to get healed. Amen. I mean, so God, God is, uh, there's no nation off limits to God. God's already been there before we get there. Hello? You know, there's, there's no place you can't go. There's no nation that's closed. I don't care what they say. You can get in any place in the world in the name of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. Amen? God is able, and He's doing that. And so through your efforts, uh, much has been done uh, uh, in the nations. And so uh, many of these students, they create a large labor force for the New Testament church. And so the churches are full of able ministers of the Word of God and the Spirit of God and the things of God. And Joshua Nation has raised up in the last 12 years thousands and thousands of leaders for the glory of God that have been trained. And uh, 85% of third world leaders have no training whatsoever. None whatsoever. No Bible school, no books, no anything. They're lucky if they even have a Bible. And so Joshua Nations has filled a great void. But you ask, what do you do for those who can't read? That's a good question. We also have a storytelling revolution. We have a great storyteller who goes in and trains the leaders of the villages how to tell the stories of Jesus. And we've already impacted 153 villages in India, and these people know how to tell the stories. And so for those who can't read, we're not of any help to them, but we send Diane and the other people that have been trained, and some of our leaders have been trained to go and teach them how to tell the stories and the good news of the gospel. And many come to Christ. Uh, we also have uh, literature, this Holy Spirit manual that many of you have read, and if you haven't gotten it, uh, we get reports almost every week about what it's doing in Bible study groups and churches all over. We translated this into 12 languages and printed 22,000 books. Every pastor in Cuba in 17 denominations has this book. And we're praying God's going to breathe on it and there's going to be a great revival just in that one nation of Cuba to say nothing about the other nations. Then I've written a book called Runways of the Heart and they're on Amazon and they may have some here, I don't know, but um, we want to make those available to you also. We also do humanitarian projects. i got one more minute. We dig water wells. We make brick-making machines. Uh, we help farmers. We bought a tractor. We help churches and school. We, we, we buy an acre of land, and the village 
uh, tends to the land. They grow bananas. They raise enough money to support pastors. Then we plant a church. Then we plant a Bible school. Then we teach them how to farm. I got a farming lady who, she's a, she's a farmer, and she goes and teaches them how to raise crops. We scholarship many students all around the world to get their degrees. We purchase many computers, cell phones, materials, uh, all kinds of things. October 1, we have our annual dinner fundraiser. I'd love to invite all of you to come, but you must respond. So joshuanations.org, if you want to come to that dinner on October 1, it's going to be a great night. Already almost 175 have responded, so we're going to be out of room. But if you respond quickly, we for sure will hold you a room. And so we'd love for you to come there. if you're uh, interested in our online school, go to joshuanations.org. Everybody say joshuanations.org. And there you can find out about the online school, the fundraiser, and uh, I'll be taking another trip in January to Cuba. If anybody wants to go into Cuba, need to know because we're in the process of getting visas now. And uh, it's been an honor to come and just to say a few things about Joshua Nations and what your gifts are doing for the ministry and for the world. And so you're just not impacting Cuba, but you're impacting many, many more nations. So Pastor Scott, thank you. Novation, thank you. And uh, until Jesus comes or until we go, we'll keep doing it. Amen? Thank you. So we do have his books in the back, both of those, if you guys are interested. Um, And then our upcoming Thailand trip that's going to happen in May, we are going to be visiting one of his schools. So give him one more round of applause. So switching gears a little, as outreach and missions leaders, Seth and I have been looking for ways uh, locally on how we can help refugees right here in Colorado. And about three years ago, we signed up for a mentoring program right here in Denver, and we met Esther Zagaby and her four kiddos. We, part of the mentoring program was to really just kind of befriend them, maybe help them out, driver's license, reading, stuff like that. Um, And when we first met her, I'll never forget, the first thing she said through a translator was, she'll do whatever it takes, whatever she needs to do to support her family, and the the impact that I could hear in her words, the intensity, I just, I couldn't imagine what she had been through. So, so fast forward about three years, getting to know them, helping them out little bits here and there. Um, about a year ago, her husband, who had been sent to, I believe it was Minnesota, was able to finally move here to Denver. So they got to be a family again. So that was amazing. Um, and then she got pregnant with her fifth kiddo. And then June, she had that little, beautiful, smiley baby boy right in the center. They named him Seth. So humbling. So, so, so humbling. And such an honor um, for us. So you never know what you can do right here even. But our next presenters are Christy Josen and Dr. Lynn Fogelman from Global Refuge, GRI, Global Refuge International is an organization that started right here in Arvada, Colorado. GRI now goes around the world and serves people affected by war by providing medical relief and equipping local people 
to serve in their own communities. GRI is currently serving South Sudanese refugees in northern Uganda and displaced people in the eastern part of the Democratic Republic of Congo. Give her a round of applause. Well, I'm going to sit down. So um, when I met with Seth and Danielle a few months ago, uh, they talked a little bit about they wanted to bring awareness. So I wanted to read a couple of things that I wrote um, in some blog posts right after I came back from Uganda uh, last year. So I'll just read those. Um, it was perhaps the lack of options that made such a big impression. I ha if I get sick, I have a doctor, a hospital, a whole host of specialty health services at my disposal. If I want food, I have the whole world's uh, cuisine at my fingertips. If I want to drink a water, I go to the sink and pour myself a cup. I have a dishwasher to wash my dishes. I have a washing machine to wash my clothes. I have a refrigerator to keep my food from spoiling. I have friends and family close by. Um, I have a job that suits my interests and abilities. This is only a handful of the options that I have, but the people that we serve, they don't have options, and they won't, not anytime soon. I tried for a moment to realize how it feels. If I didn't know that I was coming back to my normal, comfortable life within a few days, I would feel trapped. I would feel panic. I wouldn't know what my priorities should be. I wouldn't know what goals or dreams to make for my family or if having any goals or dreams at all in a refugee camp miles from my war-torn home would be even the same thing to do. I would just be trying to keep myself together after I felt another mosquito bite and when I heard the rats scurrying around at night, when the lizards made their way into my mosquito net, when the monotony of having no place to go and nothing to do every day would grate on my patients. When I was endlessly hungry and nutrient deficient, and when I had to get up and do it all again the next day, I try not to scare anyone with my emotions or questions running through my mind constantly. There's no break. What would life mean? I saw with new eyes how global refuge is a refuge. With these clinics, you have the option not to let malaria kill your baby. There are drugs to keep life-threatening illnesses at bay. When you come to the clinics, medical staff will actually be there. You can deliver your baby in a clean environment supervised by a midwife. You can receive preventative health education regularly, and some refugees even have the chance of becoming a medic and working to help their own communities. There's a break. Hope for a different ending cracks through. The long-term questions like when can you go home or when can you rebuild your life, they go unanswered. But the mere presence of an option means there might be more. Something small can build. With those who have supported Global Refuge over the years, these options, without those who have supported Global Refuge over the years, these options would not be there. Along with all of the refugees Global Refuge has served, this group of 150,000 refugees between the Odubu and Mvepi clinics with our tiny staff and resources, these people are worthwhile. The options will never compare. I don't wish anyone would suffer, but I also recognize the greatness that comes through suffering. I'll likely never discover the depth of resiliency that might be within me, and my life 
will likely never be nearly so inspiring as any of the millions of refugees there are in the world. And a refugee may never have the comfort and security that I experience on a daily basis. How do we choose to use what we have to change things? I'm not wise enough to understand why my life is the way it is compared to the life of a refugee, but I do know that it feels foolish not to do something with what I've been given. I see what can be done. I wonder how to begin. I want to start to change. I wonder how I'll explain all of these things to my son when he gets to be big enough to understand. I just need to start small. Um, I was just wanting to read a, a quick sp scripture from Psalm 27, 13. Uh, it says, I would have despaired unless I believed that I would look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. One of our supporters said yesterday, GRI is the goodness of the Lord. Um, being um, reached out to these refugees who um, they have just a lot of reasons to, to despair, um, but they have hope. Let me just pray quickly as I ask Dr. Lin to come up and share about his recent work in our clinics in Odubu and in Vepi in Uganda. God, I just pray that as Dr. Lin comes to share the work of GRI, that you would give us clarity on how you would want us to respond, open our minds and our hearts to what you want us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on up, Dr. Lin. Well, good morning. Uh, I praise God for the opportunity to be here at Novation this morning. It's a privilege to share uh, a bit with you something special uh, about what in the world, and then most specifically the East African part of the world, what in the world God is doing uh, through GRI. Uh, but uh, today is special. And uh, it is a special day for me in particular and someone I brought with me because it's our uh, 34th wedding anniversary. It's my wife, Sharon. Dr. Sharon, if you'd stand. Um, and it has been Sharon's and my privilege to, to serve in uh, East Africa in the countries of uh, Kenya, South Sudan, Uganda, and medical missions uh, for many years. Uh, this past year, though, has been our first year in uh, working with GRI, uh, and it has been a very rewarding year. But GRI has been working for many years in northern Uganda, caring for the health needs of the refugees who are there. And uh, um, GRI is always, though, looking forward to ways, trying to find other ways that they can do even more than what they're doing. Yes, it, GRI runs clinics and, and helps there, but it, it wanted to actually reach more people than those who are able to actually come to the clinic. And so it selected uh, FMRs, or field medical representatives. We call them medics, and you, you'll be seeing pictures here of them. So who, who are these people? Well, they're young adults who indeed, like people in a refugee camp, they wish they would have a job because job, jobs are not readily available in refugee camps, but they want to do more than just have a job. They want to take the basics of health care into their own communities. And so where are they from? They're from different parts of South Sudan, different tribes, different areas, but now they're all together in these camps. Where are they going? 
at present, they're stuck. They're, they're in the camp. They can't go anywhere, but they want to do something. They want to learn something. And so they are learning uh, different ways to help themselves. And where may they go? Some of them may actually end up staying in Uganda, maybe the rest of their lives, because South Sudan really is unstable right now. Some of them, though, still hold that hope in their heart that someday they will be able to go back to South Sudan and build a new life for themselves and build a nation there. So GRI has taken these young adults and trained them to look within their own communities for people who are ill, and particularly children, looking for children who have diseases, for example, like diarrhea, and they can give them the oral rehydration solution right then and there, or children who have the signs and symptoms of malaria, uh, and they can actually take a test, do a simple blood test, determine whether the, the child has malaria or not, and actually provide treat them, treatment for them right then and there at the home. And, and, these G, and these FMRs, these medics, are doing this quite well right now. But GRI has a vision for them of becoming actual agents of change for a better standard of health in those camp communities. To be able not just to diagnose and treat a few diseases, but also to actually prevent, by education, uh, these diseases that are taking so many lives. They want them to be able to educate the community and prevent these deaths. Now, a 46-page, uh, brightly colored, simple, but uh, uh, very focused flip chart was developed uh, recently to help uh, possibly help these FMRs be able to deliver these messages very well. And uh, this was, uh, these topics in the flip chart are on uh, topics that are especially relevant to people in the refugee setting, like maternal child health. And I had the privilege to go to Uganda in July with these flip charts and to teach the FMRs about the use of the flip chart in home teaching and community group training. We have 20 FMRs at each of our two clinics and each FMR was given a flip chart and uh, was given a four-day training in how they are used. So um, after training on communication and negotiation of uh, behavior change, uh, which is needed when you're trying to teach people about changing lifestyles and behavior, we went on to go through the topic to talk about each page, each topic, such as uh, childhood nutrition, prenatal care and its importance, um, to talk about the dangers of dangers signs in pregnancy, uh, during delivery, after delivery, uh, fa family planning issues, uh, malaria prevention, diarrheal diseases, and communicable diseases, and warning signs to watch for for these families so that they know when to take their family member quickly to the clinic. The fruit of these efforts is actually going to be when these FMRs are now able to enter households, take the flip chart, go in and be able to educate the household on ways to prevent disease and how to start uh, healthy lifestyle practices. I told them the very words that come out of your mouth 
are going to save lives. And they will. They will. And these FMRs are going to be checking in now on these homes, say where the babies have been delivered by, uh, by these mothers, uh, within these first couple of weeks after delivery, the very critical time, the very dangerous time for both mother and baby. And they're going to be able to know what to teach, what to encourage, and what to ask about when they are there uh, with the mothers. And because malaria and diarrhea and pneumonia take so many lives of so many ch small children in Africa, this FMR training will make a difference in prevention of these diseases by education, but also by letting the, the mothers and the fathers know to, when they see these signs, take the babies uh, or uh, quickly to the clinic. So uh, we were also able to teach them uh, about how to use drama and role play, storytelling, demonstrations, even songs in doing community type of teaching. When they teach in the community, it actually reinforces the teaching that they will be doing in the homes. So we're, we are glad to see what God is doing in these people in this part of the world. But we believe he's doing even more. GRI has a vision for the FMRs not only assisting the people with uh, preventative educational efforts in, in their homes for physical health, but it be, uh, believes in expanding that role to God's desire to work on the minds and the hearts of people uh, who are really troubled. Now, you've all heard of PTSD, a post-traumatic stress disorder, a uh, disorder where people are actually having difficulty in functioning in life because of trauma that they have experienced or they have witnessed in the midst of their lives. Well, in these refugee camps, they are, they are places, as, as you might struggle to imagine, a place where almost everybody has been traumatized in one way or another. And so GRI would like to be involved in a type of healing, uh, training that would help these deep, life-destroying heart wounds. And that training is called trauma healing, in part uh, developed by American Bible uh, uh, Society. Um, and it's actually used all around the world. There are not enough trained counselors to go about and counsel all of the people who are uh, there in the refugee camps. So this trauma healing actually teaches lay people how they can do the basics of hearing people's grief, walking with them through their pain, and encourages them to take that pain to the cross of Jesus. And then this uh, scripture-focused and Christ-centered curriculum encourages then people to learn how to forgive and how to be resilient in Christ and then also how to take the next step of helping other people who have also been traumatized. Sharon and I have been through this uh, training ourselves, and in October, we will return to Uganda to train the GRI spiritual leaders uh, that you see we're standing with there. These leaders are mature Christians. They are from different tribes, different denominations of churches, 
and are, they are already pastoring uh, and praying for and caring for people in the clinics and on the wards. But it is our prayer that in training them in trauma healing, that these leaders will be able to incorporate the fruit of healing traumatized people in these uh, parts of these camps and to mentor the medics, the FMRs, to be able to do the same thing when they do their work of going into the camps. So I've told you a little bit about uh, what God is doing in this corner of the world, but I'd like to close with a question and a challenge for you as followers of Jesus in this church congregation today. What is God doing here in your midst uh, that would make you more faithful for working in his kingdom. You've received knowledge and awareness today, and certainly I would want to, you to think about how you could be more fruitful and beyond your general prayer and support. Well, first I would say pray. Uh, that is always first, and pray not just generally, but pray specifically. Please pray for our FMRs as they serve in their communities. As they go into the homes, we would pray for courage, wisdom, and grace as they teach there, and as they teach community groups about how to have healthy lives. And please pray for us as we go to do our training in October and for the spiritual leaders as they begin to learn about how to apply uh, trauma healing into their holistic uh, work. Secondly, we're going, I would ask you to give, but give specifically, and you're going to hear from Seth here in a second about how uh, there are specific opportunities to support the FMRs with scholarships. Thirdly, I would say share with other people about what you've learned and about what God is doing now. And lastly, in your life, as I think I heard Danielle uh, say, uh, to actually look for people who have come here. Um, there are people from all over the world coming and probably crossing your paths of life. Yes, please do get involved with them, get to know them, share what God is doing uh, in your life with them. And uh, I believe that as in John 15, 8, Jesus says, My Father is glorified in this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. Friends, I think what God is doing in the world is changing us to become closer disciples and closer in love with Jesus and closer in loving of our neighbors. And I believe that when we do that, we are surely going to bear much fruit. And in this, God will be glorified. May God bless you as you do it. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Lynn and Dr. Sharon and Christy, for all you guys are doing at Global Refuge. Truly amazing. So as you guys just heard about the medic program, GRI needs our help funding the last three medics. And with this funding, each medic receives uh, training, supplies, and a salary for six months. There are two full scholarships or sponsorships and one partial left. So today, we need to raise $1,200. And I believe that we can do that right here. How cool is it that we have an opportunity right here to be a part of this lasting impact on their community? So this is a tangible thing we can do here. You know we don't stand up here and ask for money all the time, but this, this is one of those times, so forgive me if that offends you, but um, so thank you guys ahead of time. Um, there's a few ways that you can give. You can go on to the Novation website or the app, click on, the, I believe there's a tab for GRI specifically. Also, um, Danielle will be at the back at the info table so you can drop off donations to her. So thank you again for your generosity. I'm going to go ahead and pray.
Father God, thank you for this opportunity that we got to hear just a little bit of the amazing work that you're doing throughout this world. Holy Spirit, you're the one that goes before us, and we just get to partake by being faithful to where you call us. So I pray that you'd give us courage when, when that call comes and um, that we would go out with the gospel and the good news, Lord God. And thank you that we live in a free country, so raise up leaders here so we can go out, Lord God. Thank you for uh, Pastor Russ and um, everybody with uh, Joshua Nations. Lord, I just pray that you would continue to bless that organization and um, use him and, and Jason and all the others with uh, Joshua Nations that bring in that curriculum, Lord, and raising up leaders. Thank you, Lord, for GRI and what they're doing in Uganda and the other nations that they will be in, I'm sure, sooner than later. Thank you, Father, for, for your, the work on the cross, for what you did, Jesus. We love you, and we give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>